Cardiology News, November 2022, second edition. Atrial fibrillation is associated with increased mortality and morbidity. Notably, the risk of ischemic stroke is increased up to five times. As atrial fib is commonly asymptomatic, it can remain undetected. In about 10% of stroke patients, AFib is only diagnosed after the stroke event. Screening for atrial fibrillation has been recommended in recent European guidelines on the presumption that early discovery of AFib could be used to reduce an individual's risk of stroke with the initiation of anticoagulation and thus may help the person live longer with a good quality of life. But according to the Swedish authors of a new study, so far a systematic screening program for atrial fibrillation is not in use anywhere in the world. Using data from StrokeStop, which is the largest clinical study in the world on screening for atrial fibrillation, researchers from Linköping University and the Karolinska Institute in Sweden looked to evaluate the cost-effectiveness of screening for atrial fib in people aged 75 to 76 years. Based on Swedish cost structure and cost levels, these researchers found that their health economic analysis showed that screening can be an intervention that not only saves lives by preventing stroke, it can also save money for the healthcare system. Their analysis published in the European Heart Journal showed that population-based atrial fib screening for 75 to 76-year-old people is cost-effective at a probability of 99.2% and cost-saving at a probability of 92.7%. But since the study is based on the Swedish cost structure and cost levels, and since healthcare systems and cost levels vary for different countries, the authors noted their results cannot be directly applied to other healthcare systems. According to a new study presented at the American Heart Association Scientific Sessions 2022, one in five people who survive CPR after cardiac arrest describe distinct death experiences that occurred while they were seemingly unconscious and on the brink of death. Researchers from NYU Langone Health and NYU Grossman School of Medicine between May 2017 and March 2020 studied 567 men and women already in the hospital whose hearts stopped beating and received CPR. Unfortunately, despite immediate treatment, fewer than 10% recovered sufficiently to be discharged from the hospital. But they found that 20% of the survivors reported having unique crystal clear experiences, including a perception of separation from the body, observing events without pain or distress, and a meaningful evaluation of life, which included their actions, intentions, and thoughts toward others. The researchers believe these experiences of death were different from hallucinations, delusions, illusions, dreams, or CPR-induced consciousness. Their evaluation also included tests for hidden brain activity. A key finding was identifying spikes of brain activity, including so-called gamma, delta, theta, alpha, and beta waves up to an hour into CPR. Some of these brain waves normally occur when people are conscious and performing higher mental functions such as thinking, memory retrieval, and conscious perception. Researchers believe these recalled experiences and brainwave changes possibly signify so-called near-death experiences. 
These patients seem to undergo a unique inner conscious experience, including awareness without distress. According to a new study led by the University of Eastern Finland, atherosclerosis might be stopped if lipid screening and dyslipidemia treatment begins in adolescence. Abnormal blood cholesterol and triglyceride levels known as elevated lipids and dyslipidemia are major causes of atherosclerosis. According to these authors, there is yet no consensus on screening children and adolescents for elevated lipids and dyslipidemia in the general population. Evidence does suggest that children and adolescents who have inherited lipid disorders do well with treatments when started early. However, it is not clearly known whether elevated lipids and dyslipidemia in a large asymptomatic adolescent population free of familial hypercholesterolemia, leads to early cardiovascular damage before mid-adulthood. In this new study, almost 1,800 adolescents who were 15 years old at the start of the study were followed until age 24. It was found that almost one in five adolescents had elevated lipids or dyslipidemia at age 15. Nine years later, the prevalence increased to one in four young adults. Significantly, only a few adolescents received treatment for dyslipidemia by age 17. Researchers found that among the untreated adolescents, there were signs of subclinical atherosclerosis, as evidenced by carotid femoral pulse wave velocity and carotid intima media thickness. These tests respectively represent arterial stiffness and a marker of atherosclerosis. Using a novel temporal inverse allocation model to simulate treatment, researchers found to their surprise that lipid treatment intervention at age 24 failed to stop worsening atherosclerosis. This suggests that treatment in early adulthood may be too late to offer optimal cardiovascular health benefits. But very importantly, their analysis suggested that lipid treatment at age 17 effectively stopped and reversed atherosclerosis progression. The authors also noted that rather than LDL cholesterol, the main treatment targets to prevent early atherosclerosis progression in a general adolescent population are probably total cholesterol, non-HDL cholesterol, and HDL cholesterol. The authors believe the current approach to atherosclerosis prevention needs to change. They suggest that public health experts, pediatricians, and government health policymakers should consider lipid screening in adolescents and initiating treatment for high cholesterol and low HDL by age 17. Americans spend an estimated $50 billion on dietary supplements every year, and while many are marketed for heart protection or cholesterol management, the research supporting these benefits is not very impressive. But now there's an excellent new study by the Cleveland Clinic Foundation that compares the effectiveness of a low-dose statin to six common dietary supplements regarding lowering bad LDL cholesterol, other cholesterol levels, and blood test markers for overall inflammation in the body. The treatment groups included people taking a placebo or sham pill, a statin group taking 5 milligrams of rosuvastatin, and the other groups took one of the six types of dietary supplements, which included fish oil, cinnamon, garlic, turmeric, plant sterol, and red yeast rice. 
Researchers found that the six widely used dietary supplements were not effective at lowering bad LDL cholesterol more than the placebo after 28 days of use. However, statin treatment did have a significant effect on bad cholesterol after 28 days. It was also found that the dietary supplements did not reduce inflammatory markers in the blood, suggesting they may be unlikely to lower heart disease risk at least during the first month of use. The important public health message, according to these researchers, is that dietary supplements commonly taken for cholesterol health or heart health are unlikely to offer meaningful effects on cholesterol levels. For Mediblurb, I'm Dr. Jim DeWire.